stream. We are dreamed into existence. What we do with that dream is up to us. This is Stream. I am Jessica Deruta, and I share with you my stream of consciousness and host Sacred Conversations. Listen for free on your favorite podcast app and follow me on social media at Trust Psyche. The best way to show your support is by subscribing to my YouTube channel, Trust Psyche. Click the notifications bell to be updated about new monthly videos. One of the things I love most is teaching people all around the world to do what I do through online courses for all levels. Find me at trustpsyche.com where you can begin studying astrology with me right now. Let us begin. How we dream is as important as what we dream. For the what of the dream knows itself through the how. We're coming to you from Sci-Fi Records, the amazing studio of Travis Teruza, where all of Trust Psyche Productions happens, including this stream podcast and all of the music that you've heard here and uh, at other places in Trust Psyche. This is Stream 21, and today is July 26th, 2020. And this is a very special stream because I'm here with two guests, both Travis Deruza, whom you've heard many times before. Hello, Jessica. And we are also here with our daughter, who is inside of my belly right now. (laughs) We are pregnant and we are ecstatic, uh, over the moon to be welcoming our daughter into the world this fall. Mm. (laughs) So this is a really special (laughs) time for us. And as we are creating new life, we feel that um, everything that we're creating during this time carries that quality of, of birth and of... A new being coming in to this world. So today we want to talk about the great conjunction. The great conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. The star of Bethlehem. Hmm. And as you go out at night to look at the night sky within the hour after sunset as you look to the southeast you can see jupiter shining so bright and then down there a little below to the left is saturn and of course pluto is also there which we can't see without a telescope but this really special conjunction is actually something that Travis and I have been spending a lot of time with. We're going out almost every night for a walk or a swim here on our little island of Siesta Key in the Gulf of Mexico and just spending time looking at these two. And you, Travis, were actually the one to inform me that it's called the Great Conjunction. Yeah, some some speculate that the star of Bethlehem, as you mentioned, was was a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn, so exact that they fused to the naked eye and created a bright light in the sky of unfamiliar proportion because they were truly conjunct, mm. conjunct to the naked eye as if they were one stellar body. Mm. And that this perhaps was the star that the Magi followed, to the manger. (laughs) Take us to the manger, baby. Take us to the manger. Um, And 
I think part of what I'm feeling into in the specialness of this conjunction is that it only happens every 20 years. Mm-hmm. And because Jupiter and Saturn are the two planets that we can see the farthest out with the unaided eye, you know, for a long time, you know, up, up until the 1700s, we thought that Saturn was the edge of our universe, of the mm. cosmos. And so when Jupiter and Saturn would come together in their great conjunction every 20 years, it was like the farthest out reaches of, of the cosmos coming together. It was the edge of our, our world in the largest sense. It's one of the greatest cycles of time of the visible planets. It was naturally their greatest cycle. And I also think being able to see them every night is really special. Hmm. To commune with them on just such a physical level. And they're just so bright. They're so beautiful. And Hmm. it's really hot here where we live. And since I'm pregnant, I'm really sensitive to the heat right now, which is actually atypical for me. Both Travis and I love heat. We love the tropical weather, hence why we live on an island and uh, in the Gulf. And uh, so we've been doing a lot of our exercise at nighttime. And uh, we're fortunate enough to be able to uh, go swimming where there aren't other people around, which has been really wonderful to be weightless <laughs> for mm-hmm. moments at this time. And when we were sitting, um, when we were sitting in the water, you started to sing a song. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to sing it for us now, you know, what you sang when you, when you looked up to Jupiter and Saturn. Sure. This was the song that came to mind when I saw them there in the sky.
certain tone a certain quality to it I'm wondering if there's anything you want to say about it or what made you think of it or what it brings up for you yeah when I saw Jupiter and Saturn together like that in the sky and was reflecting on the fact that they were the largest cycle of time of the visible planets I just saw them in this in this dance together a long dance an ancient dance one of the most ancient dances and I thought of their their complementary nature their companionship in this way their counterpoint the way that they've been playing off each other as two of the great archetypal forces of existence of manifestation of the whole and they're both antagonism and secret love affair and all the gradations in between the secret alliance of tragedy and comedy the the jolly and the destitute as companions in the great drama of existence And so, I don't know, I thought of that song and these, these old men, these old archetypes sitting on the cosmic bench of <laughs> existence saying, wow, what a life it's been. And the, the newspaper blows through the grass and falls over their toes. It's like the news of the world. The, pol the great politics and power of the world stage is like a crumpled up newspaper across the toes of these great archetypal forces and them surveying the span of creation lost in their overcoats waiting for the sun it's another Jupiter Saturn image they're all the time they've spanned existence they're in their overcoats old and cold waiting for the sun waiting for that life force that's behind it all, that is what animates that long existence that they've spanned together. I could go on, I could, I could gloss every line of the, of the song, but I think that. I like it when you do that. It's a particular approach that you have to, um, understanding and interpreting reality that is different than me it's a different um dimension of psyche to approach you know you you majored in literature mm -hmm. and um i feel like you have a very literary approach to interpreting reality mm -hmm. you and i are both very much uh readers of psyche as a dream we read things symbolically mm. all the time yes i tend to read more at the archetypal universal level of the planets and though obviously you are proficient in doing that as well you're much more closer to earth i actually you're you're a much better dream interpreter than i am like of actual dreams at nighttime and your literary ability in interpreting reality is what allows you to understand things like lyrics and poetry, movies and novels in a way that, honestly, I miss a lot of it. I can feel the feeling tone, but I, I miss a lot of what's going on. I think this is, yeah, this is really rich what you're pointing out. And I think it connects to what we were talking about earlier when we were swimming in the ocean. And we were talking about that kind of spectrum uh, 
and cusp between what you're here calling archetypal and symbolic reality. What there I was talking about is archetypal and subtle, subtle level phenomena. On the one hand, the the archetypes as I kind of manifest in this cosmic dimension, and on the other hand, the symbolic subtle level being some of the collective thought forms and costumes that those archetypes wear when they manifest in reality as a poem, as a song, as a certain tarot deck, as Kali or Shiva or the God of monotheism or various other collective thought forms that are inflections of the basic archetypal forces that are animating existence. And it's not to say that one is more real or better or any kind of value judgment, but it's to acknowledge the spectrum upon which manifest, manifestation seems to take place. To understand that like kind of Jupiter in its purest form is a different level of reality than Zeus or Juno or mm -hmm. the abundant earth goddess uh, Tefiti <laughs> in Moana. Yeah, I mean, what that does for me is interesting. It's like, it feels to me like, I don't usually speak like this, but like, it feels like when my soul travels to different star nations, I am able to pretty immediately interpret at a cosmic celestial level mm. the coordinate system of the planetary bodies within that star nation. Mm. And it's like I, I have that universal key to unlock that right. wherever I am, right. whatever solar system I'm in in the universe. I don't know how much time I've spent on planet Earth itself um, in ways I feel like not a lot, mm -hmm. yet it's familiar enough to me, maybe perhaps because where I come from is has similar qualities to it. Um, you, however, feel like you've either been to Earth more or your ability to read the uh, terrestrial texture of the planet that you're on comes to you much more naturally than it does to me. I mean, your grasp of history, your grasp of language, your grasp of mathematics, although mathematics perhaps it may be universal. Uh, yeah, more a more pure right. frequency in the terms that you're talking there. Sure. I think you're pointing out like a coarser, it's like you can use the metaphor of high and low, but without any value, or you could say finer and coarser frequencies mm -hmm. or textures. And you're saying that I'm adept in some of these coarser textures of history as it materially embodies itself moment to moment and piles up on itself in meaningful patterns versus this very fine grained texture of the archetypal energetic coordinates that you're pointing out. I can see the uh, universal patterns and essence. I can see the essence of things. I don't n know the details or have the ability to maybe in a most like congruent and coherent way lay it out in a linear logical fashion. But I can pretty immediately intuit into the core essence of what's happening and I understand on a phylogenetic evolutionary level how the person came to be, the moment came to be, and I can connect that uh, with the planet. So when I see the planets in the birth chart, um, I get a pretty immediate, like instantaneous sense of what's happening for this person, where they've come from, where they're at now, where they're going. And it's, it's instantaneous. It's like a yeah, it's like a key to a map that's instantly unlocked. But, like, I don't know anything about culture or history. Like, that's not, I, I just, I just don't. Right. Well, and I think in the same way, the, the map that you see isn't necessarily filled in in your head. And, like, the client helps you to understand, no, but what's actually the interior of this map? What's actually the meat of the skeleton I'm able to see. And you need to be in dialogue with your clients so that you can tune in to how 
this archetypal map that you're seeing is like dropping into the waveform at these, you know, coarser frequencies and how it's actually playing out, you know, how the waveform's collapsing, how the, you know, that the choices that the person is making, how that's unfolded. Because I, I feel like at the archetypal level, we, we so much see potentialities of manifestation and then how the person actually chooses to show up as a free-willing existential being that moves in the arrow of time in this direction and not backwards, that intersects with the possibilities of archetypal reality. And so in that way too, they help to fill in the actual meat and the texture and the materiality of the deep map coordinates that you see. And I think this is where it's interesting where our abilities begin to intersect or overlap is we both come to an understanding of humans and relationships, but we come at it from different uh, angles. So I come at it from psychology. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm well-versed in understanding how psyche works and how people work and how relationships work. I spend so much of my time doing that. I mean, I've been, you know, when I was a little girl, you know, I would just people watch and I would stare and I would analyze and I would question and I was just always curious. My dreams at nighttime are always a processing of people and relationships and emotions, you know, so in that way, there is something, it, it's not terrestrial. I mean, humans are of the earth, but the way that they participate in psyche for me, it's, it's psyche. It's, it's, it's a... It has its connection and bridge in and through the archetypal, but it's like, I don't know, I, I, can, I can read Homo sapiens. I think I can read whatever the entity is on whatever planet I'm on because there's something universal about the form that consciousness takes mm. in beings that are conscious, particularly in a, self-reflective way that somehow looks like a human does you also can do the same thing you can understand relationships and people but you 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 like you learned a lot of it through literature you learned a lot of it through playing music you learned a lot of it by being in bands and playing all around the world and you know you you really had a very immersed visceral lived experience by being with lots of different types of people for many many years it's true i'm just uh, i'm parsing it all in kind of uh chris beige and others uh talk of different levels of consciousness at the, the psychic level the subtle level and then the archetypal level is what would connect to finally the causal level but so far we, we were talking about the archetypal and the subtle level and then I want to point to the, the psychic level below that, which is just the immediate field of our emotional, psychic soul beings still kind of contained as particular people. We haven't risen to the collective level where we're talking about collective phenomena, the collective unconscious, collective thought forms. The psychic level, it's still our individual emotional and psychic body. And I want to talk about the differences of each of our approaches at that level. I think you ha are so naturally able to tune in to where someone's psychic emotional body is at and your profession, career as a psychotherapist, as a guide of psyche is connected to your gift to, you know, tune into where one's psyche is at and help fine tune them and help locate the, th the things that aren't working and adjust the person at that level. Because you're very emotionally receptive, you're able to sense how people are feeling. I think for my side at the psychic level, especially as a young as a young Moon Saturn male, I was very disconnected from my emotions early on, and have only gotten better at the psychic level at sensing people's immediate emotions, like later in life. And it was kind of like 
my talent at the level of literature and the collective actually advanced first and then taught me to be more empathetic on a one-to-one -one level because of the kind of truths and lessons that I learned at that collective level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there's something you said, you know, like being, being with my clients and, and the adjustment happening there. It's so interesting because although I have a very analytical mind, the real work for me and the type of therapy I practice and the quote-unquote adjustments that are happening is by a sheer joining mm. with that person on a psycho-spiritual level, it's a very emotional level of being with and like symbolically understanding, reading what's happening through psyche symbolically and then translating that into hopefully connection and repair to do it differently than the way that it was done that often caused great wounding and trauma to the person mm -hmm. and learning how to become the dream figure yeah. and to to be with that person in like a very human real way we're like i'm becoming more human right we're both becoming more human it's a becoming we're, we're becoming together and that's where the mutual healing is taking place. I and mean, that's why I love, I love my job so much. And I think something that you bring that really helps ground my more watery nature, being Pisces rising and Sun Neptune, my highly sensitive, empathic, intuitive nature is you really help me honor the placement of logic and reason to balance out the equation to right size things to put them into perspective and you know to help me better navigate the terrestrial world there's definitely a place for logic and reason it's it's important at one point i think in everyone's development to rail against logic and reason and to realize its limits and its foibles and its trespasses. But it's also important to give it its due because sometimes it it will Yeah, it it will right size phenomena in ways that it's easy to get emotionally spun out and it's your ally. It is the ally of your emotions and it's your ally in processing the things that need to be processed to the degree that they need to be processed and not more or less being judicious bringing the queen of swords and the queen of cups together to just you know to decide those things together it's like that's a high functioning psyche you know right now mercury in the sky is at 15 cancer and it's opposing the great conjunction of jupiter and saturn with pluto and you're born with Jupiter and Saturn conjunct 1982. So everyone born in 1981, 1982, you're born with Jupiter and Saturn in a conjunction just like they are now. Also with Pluto, which is much more rare to have all three together. So Travis, you have that. And then I'm born with Jupiter square Saturn. Jupiter rising in Pisces, square Saturn at the midheaven in Sag. So this archetypal combination or cycle of time is... <laughs> inherent to us and of the times right now and with mercury there you know such a good time to talk about it but what i'm noticing is that it's almost impossible not to be talking about jupiter and saturn i mean even yeah. if you don't know astrology it's like i feel like all the words that are coming out of our mouths relate to this combination i feel like everything all the movies we're watching all the tv series like you know, everything that we're doing is <laughs> saturated saturated by this energy, uh, which technically came into orb uh, around Christmas of 2019 at the turn of the year into 2020 and is going to be with us until April of 2021. So we have about eight more months of it. I mean, and, and it's currently in Capricorn and it's going to move into Aquarius. I think for me and for, for all of us, it especially flashed when this eclipse came through not far off of it and um 
fun side note, this eclipse came through. The eclipses come through on Metonic cycles the last 19 years. So with this eclipse being aligned with this Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, it's part of a Metonic cycle of eclipses that has aligned with it, the previous conjunction and also the conjunction under which I was born. So this 19-year eclipse cycle is right in its point that it's aligning with the 20-year Jupiter-Saturn cycle. You know, the Jupiter-Saturn is much more give-take. Give, the Metonic cycle is exact to like 12 hours. Mm. 19 years later, the exact same day, like 12 hours <laughs> earlier. <laughs> Clockwork. But these ones have been, been in alignment for a little while. And I think especially since that eclipse came through recently here on the solstice it was on the solstice to boot lighting everything up just felt those th themes coming through strongly mm, like the lyric in the song that you sang waiting for the sun waiting for the sun yeah yeah on the solstice and the eclipse <laughs> exactly. and it just waiting like supercharged it as solstices and eclipses do they supercharge things they give it such a tremendous boost of energy and force and so it makes the uh, especially anything that they're an aspect to those archetypal forces so much more vivid and pronounced and powerful and saturating consciousness personally and collectively and Jupiter Saturn more than any other archetypal combination has to do with social justice mm. and of course, everything that we're seeing right now with Black Lives Matter has Jupiter Saturn written all over it. Justice and looking at history and making amends, deep amends of the original sins of uh, kidnapping and enslaving Africans mm. and building the economy and wealth of the United States or what would become the United States off literally the black the backs of blacks like literally the infrastructure that we still use has been built up from the bottom by this labor and what's particularly poignant about this Jupiter Saturn and Pluto cycle of 2020 is that it's also the Pluto return of the United States, exactly. which happens every 250 years. And as our country approaches its 250th birthday, Pluto is returning to the place that it was when the United States was founded in 1776. And how we see this in part being exemplified right now um, in at least the American psyche, but I think maybe even beyond, is in the play... Uh, Hamilton, mm. which now everybody can see if you have access to the uh, streaming, the Disney, uh, Disney Plus. Disney Plus. We recently saw Hamilton, and I'm not going to wow. go too much into it, but if there was ever uh, a piece of art or theater that was more relevant to the Pluto return of the United States and of the Jupiter Saturn Pluto cycle that we're in right now it's this and mm -hmm. I think that you know the other original sin is the genocide of Native Americans exactly and so what you see with the Jupiter Saturn on the level of social justice and and is that when Pluto comes in it dramatically empowers that process and brings it to a titanic geopolitical level it's massive it's volcanic it's eruptive it's intense it's powerful it's libidinally charged it's destructive and it's creative it's the burning down and it's the rebuilding but it's also the deep reckoning of having to look at our ancient history and our ancient past and looking at the aspect of our shadow and that's what Pluto does and it's not a question it's not an invitation it's not a perhaps it's an absolutely and that's exactly why it's a reckoning you ain't gonna get out of it your ego isn't gonna be able to find some kind of way to bypass it you can 
repress and repress and deny and deny. But eventually, and the longer you do that, the stronger the volcanic eruption becomes because the way that volcanoes work is the longer they don't erupt, the more pressure that's created, the stronger they are. And Jupiter, Saturn, Pluto isn't just a volcano. It's those super volcanoes, you know, like the ones that when they explode could potentially take out all of life on Earth. Um, That's the level that we're talking at here. And that's what we see happening all across the world in this pandemic. And the way that the pandemic is dramatically revealing all the injustices on every level, socially, politically, economically, environmentally. There's no more hiding. And that's, that's the nature of this particular great conjunction. Yeah, I, I feel what you're saying. I feel like it's the, it's the Pluto driving the force of evolution that you're talking about. And it's running through a Jupiter-Saturn script that's jumping to this next level. And we're, I think in all these ways, we're being pushed to move from identifying as individuals to identifying a little bit more with the collective. And as you take that step to identifying with the collective, you can't help but encounter the ethical imperative of what it means to actually acknowledge what's happening to the others around you. Yeah, makes me think of the old friends. It seems like we're on an individual spiritual quest at first. But as you go deeper into that, you realize that the, the breakthroughs that you make on your individual spiritual quest reveal to you that, in fact, you're in a collective situation. When the Bodhisattva says that, I will keep coming back until everyone is liberated, it's to really identify with all the suffering in the world and say, no, that's mine. That's mine too. And I won't be okay until that's okay. For me, it's really important to frame our spirituality in a way that is coherent and hooks right up with our social justice concerns and the ethical imperative that we're talking about here. And for me, the end of philosophy, spirituality, all the great religion pursuits of Jupiter will always be the law of Saturn that demands that you do good unto the other before you, that you treat the other as yourself, as another self, as the collective tissue that we live in. And so I think that's important on a, a way that I frame my spiritual approach. And I th- also think simultaneously the collective right now is waking up to something that is the very same theme, you know, of Jupiter Saturn being pushed up into the collective psyche and being asked to evolve it into the tissue of how we are with one another. And I think this is also the culmination of uh, Uranus Pluto Square that we're really integrating into our collective being a new chapter, waking up to civil rights, personal rights, gender rights. Yeah, that they truly, none of us are free until all of us are free. Exactly. And the more that people stubbornly hold on to denying that the more painful this will be and what I love seeing right now is that more people than ever from all walks of life from all around the world have had enough and when you see someone get to that point Right? It's not just the black community anymore that's had enough. Like, it's all the communities. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not every single community, but so many different types of people have had enough. And that gives me so much hope and strength to keep going. And Honestly, for the first time in my life, 
I don't feel so alone anymore mm. in my rage and my anger and my sorrow mm -hmm. for the injustices mm -hmm. that I see and feel and experience uh, both as a woman, as a daughter of an immigrant, as a daughter of a Muslim, uh, as the granddaughter of a black man who raised me until I was eight, uh, my grandpa Bill, to see how he was treated, to see how he was treated in light of being married to my white grandmother, to my other members of my immediate family who are Mexican. I mean, <laughs> when I realized that I was white, which was a pretty rude awakening somewhere around five, uh, I was so disappointed. I was so upset. I was like, <laughs> ah, fuck. Uh, and then I was like, well, okay, then I got to use it for good. Um, you know, it's interesting. In my family, I'm a minority. I mean, in, in, my, in my family, there's, there are two full Caucasians and then me. I'm white presenting. I'm actually 75%, you know, Middle Eastern, Mediterranean, but I look white. So I'm white, I'm white presenting. So there's, you know, looks like there's three white people in my family and everybody else is from somewhere else. And... A lot of these issues that we're seeing now play out, especially here in the United States, have always been very personal to me. Because mm -hmm. these people are my 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 father and sure. my brothers and my sister and my cousins and my grandfather. So to see these stories now taking center stage in Hamilton, taking center stage in Black Lives Matter, seeing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez getting up there and giving a badass hmm. speech in the House of Representatives. That woman is definitely going to be a future president of the United States right at the Pluto return. Boom shakalaka. Now that is a worthy Pluto return. Thank you. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like I, I finally feel like my insides are on the outside. Yes, she makes me feel that way too. <laughs> Thank goodness. So, I think the quality of Jupiter-Saturn having highs and lows, mm. for me, living with it my entire life, it's like this constant meditation into how to ride the roller coaster. How do you go up the mountain and come down the mountain? How do you go back up the mountain and come down the mountain? And how do you remember that when you're going up, you're going right. to come down. And when you're down, you're going to go back up. And for me, the, the saving grace in that cycle, that cyclical pattern, is the deep remembrance of that truth when I'm either on the top of the Jupiterian mountain or I'm in the depths of the Saturn Valley. And to know that when these two, the old friends are together, mm -hmm. both must be appeased in their expression. And to forego one for the other does not allow the fullness of their gifts and their ancient wisdom to come through. Because as you said and sang in the song, they're old friends. You can't separate them. It's not possible. There's a reason they travel together. And so how do we honor and participate in them and allowing them to come together so we can get the best medicine from them and offer our best medicine back to them? Hmm. I try to remind myself, even in the valleys, in my sorrow, to try to find gratitude, and even in the peaks, to humble myself mm. and to remember how low I've been. Can I do that? Can I make that my spiritual practice? And can that connect me to something that tra 
transcends the coaster, not you know, not in an escapist way that that embodies the coaster, yeah, that encompasses the coaster, that accepts that yin yang aspect of existence. I think that's like a that's a deep truth at that level. I guess the word poignant comes to me for Jupiter Saturn, like. The really deep truth that within every blessing there has been suffering and within every suffering there is a blessing within every problem there is a gift and within every gift there has been a problem like it wouldn't be a gift if there wasn't something that like was difficult to get there it wouldn't feel like an act of grace if it wasn't bringing some type of resolution to something that has caused great heartache or pain or disconnection, all aspects of Saturn that we're all so familiar with in being human, especially here on Earth right now. Right, like it wouldn't, yeah, it wouldn't be a gift if it could have, if it couldn't have not been. It has to feel like it might have not been the case for grace to feel, and yet, because of grace... I was saved. That could have not been the case. I think it's particularly poignant to think about this great conjunction in light of the fact that our daughter's going to be born with it. Exactly. And of course, you two will share the great conjunction together, the star of Bethlehem. And, you know, I'll, I'll share the square aspect of it. But there's a really deep archetypal resonance. And of course, we see here the epigenetics of astrology mm-hmm. in this repeating signature of Jupiter Saturn but as I sit there and I look at the night sky and I realize that she's coming in through this energy I think there's a way you know as her mother that I'm doing my best to vibrationally tune into what that means for her the quality of being is she you know to to come in at this time to come in with this aspect and I mean, speaking of old friends, it feels like the three <laughs> of us are old friends. I do get that sense already. Uh, we've been tra- traveling together for a long time. What a time it was. Um, but that, you know, our journey to conceive her was, you know, it was very difficult in many ways. It was, there was a lot of, clearing and purifying of our nest and our lives that we had to do Hmm. in order to make genuine room for her to come into our life in a good way and i feel like even though pluto has so much to do with purification and cleansing and the transformation that has taken place which has clearly been there it's been uh Pluto's been opposing your moon and now it's squaring mine. But it really has had this Jupiter-Saturn quality to it of like, how can we be most fair and most just to this being that's coming in that we are going to be spending the rest of our lives with and are already deeply karmically entangled with and will continue to weave our karmic stories together I mean, there's your karma, there's my karma, there's her karma, and then there's the three of our karma together. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're almost like, it's like we're making room for her karma. And Saturn <coughs> relating to karma and Jupiter, that philosophical understanding of what does it mean to be an ethical being and what does it mean to be a moral being and what does it mean to be just and what does it mean to be fair but also even just making space for her karma is jupiter saturn <laughs> yeah Grow, growing and stretching to yeah, make room really for make, her karma exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's just like and i'm sure so many so many parents feel this way there's nothing like the journey toward parenthood that makes you walk your talk 
and face yourself at such a deep level. I mean, just the most real deepest level ever. And I just feel like all of the suffering and pain and challenges that we went through to become parents and becoming parents now, I can genuinely see the Jupiterian gifts Mm. and all of it that makes it make sense, that makes it worthwhile, that, that makes it ultimately meaningful. And I think Jupiter-Saturn in its best expression does that for every individual and whatever their own personal agony or suffering or disconnection or pain has been. There's a, you know, when you show up and you're present and you participate and you follow through, especially when the things are the hardest things, it's like that's when Jupiter shines the brightest and that's when you get the best sides of these old friends. Mm. It's like they work best together. Right. So we're nearing the end of our hour together, and I'm just wondering if there's anything else we want to share. Oh, I know what it is. (laughs) Um, So... Part of also what we're super excited and proud about with Trust Psyche is um, we have reached over 100 students <laughs> worldwide, which is amazing and shocking and phenomenal. <laughs> it's so exciting. So and Jupiter Saturn definitely can be the aspect of the teacher. And um, so here we are celebrating over 100 students and we are doing a free astrology webinar to all trust psyche students past and present uh, whether you've been in person doing initiation to archetypal astrology or embodying astrology uh, or if you've done it online um, that would also that would include those courses and um, astrological counseling and deepen your astrological practice. So if you've done any of those courses with us in person or online, um, we would love to see you on Friday, August 14th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on Zoom. And you just register by going to trustpsyche.com backslash events or on the homepage, and you'll get the link, and we'll see you. And it'll be a live Q&A and an opportunity just for us to be together and to be with the other students and just to ask whatever astrology questions that you've been having from your studies or your practices and this is for all levels so whether you're brand new to astrology you've been practicing for decades um we already have a great group of people who've rsvp'd and i'm super excited for just getting to see you and spend our time together i mean nothing brings me greater joy than being with my students and uh, i i love questions and i i just love being in dialogue so Um, We're really, really, really excited to be offering that. And we're also super excited about our upcoming online astrology courses uh, that are coming out next year in 2021. So uh, the three new ones that are coming out next year is uh, Transit Astrology, The Art of Living, which will be taught by me. Um, It's probably going to be about an eight-week course, and that's just going to be going fully into personal transits the timing of them, the calculations of them, the technique of it, and then the spiritual practice with it, the interpretation of it, how you work with it, uh, what it means, going really deep into that. I'm super excited. I think it's the next level. And of course, initiation to archetypal astrology would be your foundation for that course. Um, It'd also be great if you'd taken deep in your astrological practice because then you would have full understanding of the planetary combinations and cycles of time in their meaning and interpretations which will make you really well suited to be able to just super dive in and get so much out of the transit astrology course. The other course I'll teach, uh, which will be shorter, probably more like six weeks, will be aspects in astrology, sacred geometry. And that'll be just focusing primarily on the five major aspects of the conjunction, opposition, square, trine, and sextile, and really understanding their meaning um, and going really deep into 
just their like origin and their history and then how we apply that to chart interpretation and then the last class which is gonna be awesome is the astronomy and cultural history of astrology and i'm really excited about it it's going to be probably an eight-week course and we're going to trace the history of astrology from its origins babylonia up to the present grand survey and we're going to look at the astronomy at the same time and see how the human species understanding of the astronomy evolved and how that maps with the evolution of astrology as a phenomenon itself its cultural inflections how it was seen and held in the ages right up to the present yeah you're gonna see all of travis's scholarship and research uh, come together and of course his proficiency in history and math um, and just really bringing a super grounded coherent awesome take on the astronomy which we should all know uh, as astrologers and and then the cultural history just so important to understand that like how the way we practice astrology today came about and understanding it from uh, different cultures and different eras and I've just really enjoyed seeing you prepare for that class. And I just think it's going to be a really amazing addition to the Trust Psyche School curriculum. And I think it's a, a must-take course for everybody so that we all are rooted in that important Saturnian knowledge and history. And then Jupiterian philosophy of like, yeah, how do we have the cosmology and worldview that we have today? You know, we need to understand where we've come from to know where we're going. And that's also a very Jupiter-Saturn quality to understand where we've come from, to know where we're going. Um, that's another way that the old friends work together. Uh, the following year in 2022, uh, I know one more course that we'll offer, we'll offer more than this, but um, I'll be teaching the, um, what am I calling it? I think I'm calling it Sinistry and Composite Charts, mm -hmm. Understanding Relationships with Astrology, something like that. Anyways, we're going to be focusing on Sinistry and Composite Charts, and looking at relationships with astrology so that's 2022 but super excited for 2021 and i hope that you will join us and that um, the best way to get the most out of those courses is by taking initiation to archetypal astrology right now which is a 12-week course it'll give you everything you need to do birth charts and transits for yourself and for other people it gives you all of the technique and then it gives you the worldview and the practice and then deep in your astrological practice is also a 12-week course but it's about double in scope and it just isn't completely focused on the meaning of the planets and when they come into relationship with one another like jupiter saturn or mercury pluto or sun mars right it just goes into every single one of these and it does it multimodally. So through me teaching and dialogue, through music and dance, um, through art and poetry, we get all of those different levels of learning. So those two are available right now at trustpsyche.com backslash astrology courses. And if you take those, then you can come to this webinar on August 14th and ask your questions and join us live. And we would just absolutely love to be with you. So thank you so much for joining us on stream 21 for the great conjunction the star of bethlehem of jupiter and saturn there's so much more to come uh we have just uh barely scratched the surface here today and i think that's it what a long great conjunction it's been i'm jessica deruzza here with travis deruzza and our daughter Must be